A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. The Minister for Integration, Roderick O'Gorman, meets with local Tipperary representatives with promises of extra supports for the region. But will this be enough to stand the ongoing protest in Ross Grey? Locals continue to maintain a presence outside the Racket Hall Hotel, which saw the first of 160 asylum applicants arrive there yesterday. The dentists are full, the doctors are full. Ross Gray's on his knees. We're a broken town, so you can't flood it with more people. It's very simple. Meanwhile, Mayo councillors pass a motion calling on staff to stop engaging with the Department of Integration altogether. We'll bring you the very latest. Also in the programme, what's in a name? Deal over naming rights of Park O'Keeve paused following anger over proposals to rename it Supervalue Park. And China's second most powerful man arrives in Ireland for a two-day state visit. But given its stance in Taiwan and its human rights record, should the government be deepening relations with the superpower? Well, the Minister for Integration, Roderick O'Gorman, has met with local representatives from Tipperary over the housing of international protection applicants at a hotel in Ross Grey. It follows chaotic scenes yesterday with scuffles between Gardaí and some protesters as the first families were moved into Racket Hall. That protest remains in place outside the hotel this evening, which has been earmarked to house up to 160 applicants. Well, shortly, we're going to hear from one of those representatives about what was promised by the minister. But first, Virgin Media News Southern correspondent Paul Byrne has been speaking to some of those who continue to protest. Day six of the blockade and locals here are as determined as they were on day one. We're full for last year. We've over 600 in as it is. There has to be a cut-off point. We don't have the services. The guard station is closed more than it's open. The dentists are full, the doctors are full. The... Ross Gray's on his knees. We're a broken town, so you can't flood it with more people. It's very simple. Roderick O'Gorman, is he listening? Obviously not. The government is not listening. They created this problem, and they created the anger that's there. Not the Ross Gray people, or any other people in Galway, or any Cork, or anywhere else. It's a government problem that they can't handle. They have no plan. It's simple. Ignore us at your peril. That's the message to the government. The eyes of the country are on Ross Cray at the moment. What does that do to you as a local? Well, it's like, it's like you give up. Well, be honest with you, if anyone comes to my door for looking for a vote, I'll just I'll say no, because this government needs to cop on and realise what they're doing. It's not right what happened here yesterday. It was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. Protesters say the manner in which the government is handling the housing of international protection applicants and refugees is beyond a joke. The government are in fact doing a disservice bringing people into this country and telling them we can provide for them. We can't. They can't even provide for what's here, never mind provide for, for more. There's children, yeah, it's just bonkers. The hotel is earmarked to accommodate 160 asylum seekers. Yesterday, 17 asylum seekers, thought to be women and children, arrived at the premises. 
Scuffles broke out, resulting in protesters and Gardaí clashing. Locals said what unfolded was shocking and the government should be ashamed. They took them people off the bus, caused hassle, took them people off the bus in the middle of it all and brought them in. I saw them, I cried when I saw, I saw a little boy, a little boy, and I'll never forget him. I'll never forget his little face. I saw a mother and another child and a daddy, I presume he was a daddy, with a little child in his arms. They were terrified. It was frightening so it was. It was awful to the world to see what we saw. It was terrible. I never thought it would happen. And Roderick O'Gorman has to come and see that and know what happened and hear the truth. As it is, resources in the town, say locals, are already overstretched. I have had cancer last year. I find it impossible even at the moment to get a doctor's appointment. It's quicker for me to go up to James's now to see my own doctors than to get a doctor's appointment in Ross Grey. Ross Grey is full and it's time the government listened, said those on the picket line. There's a, there's a hotel in Ross Grey that is empty and we have no problem with people coming in with kids or, you know, th that want a better life. We have no problem. But to close down one of the main amenities in this town the tourists, they're trying to promote tourism in this town. Where are our tourists meant to stay? The people of Ross Grey have been integrating people in society for the last 20 years. Before international protection or Ukrainians or wars that have been happening, you know, we house a lot of people here from, say, from Lithuania, from Poland, from Hungary, you know, and they're integrated into our society. You know, and unfortunately a message went out last night that basically the people of Ross Grey are X, Y and Z, and that's far from the truth. The community here is tight, and the fight, it appears, is far from over. Paul Byrne reporting for us there. But for more on this in studio, I am joined by Fianna Fáil TD for Tipperary, Jackie Cahill, into TD and leader, Pather Tobin, and by special correspondent for the Irish Examiner, Mick Clifford. You're all very welcome to the programme. Uh, Jackie, I want to come to you first because you are the local TD in the area. You met with Roderick O'Gorman today. What promises did he make to you? Myself and Councillor Michael Smith, the local councillor in the area, met Roderick O'Gorman there this, this, at lunchtime. And I suppose we were stressing with him that Ross Grey needs more resources. And we put a proposal on the table as regards a hotel that's in the centre of the town. And we got a commitment, um, we got a, a, a good few commitments from the Minister. We got a commitment and he went and discussed it with the Tarnished and the T-shirt this evening. And they have agreed that they will, they will in principle agree to funding, purchasing of a hotel in the town that has been closed for a number of years. And what and would be the purpose and the function of that hotel? Well look, you heard it there on the clip, you know, it's one of the major concerns that the town has lost its only hotel. So obviously this would be replacement is in the centre of town and would add greatly to you know the commercial possibilities for Ros Grey. You know, to have a provincial town without a hotel is a huge drawback. So and just Council to be clear, sorry Jackie, I mean the government aren't surely proposing they're going to this buy this hotel, this yeah, disused yeah. hotel, and reopen it as a hotel. Yeah, the government are proposing to put forward the money to purchase the hotel. The principal, um, in, there's a hotel in Monaghan that's run on a community basis. That funding was got out of the Good Friday Agreement. So, there, you know, there is, there, there is uh, a model for it there. Um, you know, we have been talking with leader, etc. They would get involved in it. You know, you saw yesterday Minister Humphreys announced four and a half million for buildings in different towns around the country. So the funding will be got and the government have agreed in principle to examine how the funding, how the funding will, will be progressed. But they've agreed in principle to purchase uh, that this this hotel, which is for sale. It has been closed for a number of years, okay. which is in the centre of Ros Grey. It is for sale. <clears throat> and we want to, you know, we recognise Ros Grey has huge challenges to meet. And to put a hotel back in the town would be good for the commercial life of okay. Ros Grey. And, and the locals the want a hotel. what about the other points that the 
people in that VT brought up their Garda station closed. They said dentists overburdened, can't get a GP visit. This promise to buy this disused hotel and reopen it, it doesn't address any of those service issues, does it? Well, we raised all the points about the services that's needed for Ros Gray with the Minister today. We got a very good response from the Minister. He realises that you know, Ros Gray has a high proportion of foreign nationals in the town and there has to be resources put into the town. And we were pushing an open door with the Minister. You so heard, just you heard, to be you heard clear the T-shirt this morning. What make exactly that commitment is he promising well. in terms of those services? There's going to be extra resources put into, put into Ros Gray. You know, you made a point about a dentist. You know, like, obviously dentists are scarce at the moment. You know, I heard someone on, on radio this morning saying they have to wait you know, X amount of time for a dentist. So we need to make sure that GP services are, are there as well. So I'd did he promise he can what, bring a new GP into the town? Is well, Roger Goodgarman going to ensure another dentist is brought into the town? As like, you know, those, those, people are specifics? Are, those people are hard to source. But the HSE, will, you know, the resources will be put there to advertise for these positions for the town to cater for the extra people that are there. OK, is it enough to get the protesters to stand down their protest? Look, that will have to be put to the protesters. All I'd say is, we said we would, would provide extra resources for Ros Grey. We're determined to do that. And I, as the government TD, would ensure that those resources are put into Ros Grey. OK, Padre Dabin, we've had Matt Carthy from Sinn Féin come out today and say it is very clear that no party member from Sinn Féin, and he would also say to no members of the public, that they should continue protesting outside a location that is now being used to house international protection. Um, applicants. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a good idea for anybody to protest outside a place where people who have fled the likes of Syria and other war-torn areas to be protesting. I think the idea that people may be chanting, um, you know, get them out or things like that uh, to people who have already gone through such a difficult experience, uh, you know, in, in their home countries. I don't think that's a good idea. So you'd like uh, to see that protest now in Rushway be stood I, I, I personally wouldn't get involved in a, a protest where there are people within um, the, the, that accommodation. I don't think it's fair. Um, but I will say in, in, in relation to the, the statement that, that Jackie made there, I think the government's um, uh, announced a community dividend package in 2022. And they promised 53 million euros will be spent in localities such as this to make sure that they would have the resources that are necessary to deal with the people that they're accepting in. I put a parliamentary question in just before Christmas, less than three million euros of that has been spent. So when we hear nebulous promises such as, as, as further investment, you know, there's no confidence in it. And, you know, I honestly think that the government is delivering what I would call a yellow pack system in this country. So rather than actually consult with the communities before the the, the, the people are brought to, to the areas to actually discuss maybe that there is a, another location, like another hotel, rather than sit down and, and look at all the different facilities and services that are needed and, and put in place methods to bolster those so that they are sufficient to deal with it. They're simply going in and uh, looking for accommodation where they can get it, leaving these people there, and then actually providing very little services to the people who are actually okay. in there, people who have And you have... can hear people in that report saying, our town is broken. That was one of the comments from one of the protesters there. But you'd have to accept that that town, if they feel it was broken, it was broken long before these international applicants were brought into the town, I would suggest. So why is this sort of the straw that seems to have broken the camel's back? There's no doubt that there's significant capacity issues right across a whole range of services. Anybody who would ring a GP today to look for a, a GP is going to find it very difficult to get it. Now, these capacity issues are not as a result of the newcomers, I would say. They're actually as a result of lack of government investment. 
But, but we don't see the same level of protest until but, now. But, but obviously, what, what's happening at the moment, the government are going in without any consultation whatsoever. And communities do have a right to consultation over what happens in their own communities. And, and I, I, I think that Roger Gorman is extremely stubborn. Like, the very fact that he's refusing to meet with communities in relation to this is wrong. He but is, he can't... He, there's, a, like, 190 I, locations I, I, have I, been identified since last January. Is I, he meant to go and, and, and meet I, every single time? I don't time? think he's gone to one. And, that, and, and that's the truth of it. And, and the point of the matter is, ministers are elected okay. by people, and ministers should be available to sit down with people to discuss what's happening in their okay, areas. OK, uh, Mick Clifford, look, there was a wider promise here today, wasn't there, made by the Taoiseach. He was talking about identifying the 10 districts in yeah. Ireland that have taken on more asylum seekers, whether they're from Ukraine or international protection applicants, identifying these 10 districts and putting further resources into them. But the plan, Mick, the plan was very wishy-washy. It's very wishy-washy, but I mean, there's other issues as well, Kira. Uh, I mean, Jackie outlined there the, the specifics of what was promised for Ross Gray. There are towns around the state, particularly on the western <laughs> seaboard in places like Kerry and Clare, which have welcomed numerous asylum seekers and uh, those fleeing the war in uh, Ukraine. And they have made sacrifices, both in terms of their community, in terms of services, in terms of economies, tourist economies in particular, on the western seaboard. And they accepted it. And there was no protests. Mm. And those communities are just as entitled to any extra resources. Resources literally to compensate for what they've missed out on because they the realise there's an emergency about? here. Today, the teacher's talking about uh, we will identify 10 districts, it, we will put it, in further it, funding. He did, but I would have worries, like, in terms of... I've, and with the greatest respect to the people of Ross Gray, and I completely accept what they're going through, but merely because they protest and they protest in a particular way, that should not entitle them to any more right to resources for issues that have arisen in towns right across rural Ireland than other towns which have gone out and, 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 and put the shoulder to the wheel and, and done their best without protesting. I think that's definitely an issue. The other one other thing is, as far as consultation is concerned, we might as well be honest about this. Consultation, to the greatest extent in this context, largely means an opportunity to mobilise an object in some capacity or another. Largely, that is what it has meant. And now, the teacher has said, look, there is to be no veto. Yeah. Well, can, I, can I just briefly come in there? Because, you know, th there is a planning system in this country, OK, where people do have an influence over what developments happen in their own area. The teacher himself has actually objected to developments happening in his own area. Now, but, but, but the planning process has, was suspended for this particular process. But the government should put into some system in place where people can actually have some influence over what's happening but, in but the But is the influence, is the influence, as Mick says, it's not about influencing, it's about giving people an opportunity uh, to mobilise and to protest and possibly to get major concessions from the government, like the U-turns we've seen in Balnarobe, the U-turns we've seen in Carlow, and now this extra investment that's going into Ross Gray. I genuinely think you have to give some people credit in, in relation to this, because look, the, the majority of people do want to help. OK, Mick, you want to get in there? There, there, there is one other element to it, and, and I think this is important. Catherine Day headed a, an expert group and they mm. issued a series of reports in October 22, November, October 22. They recommended that by the middle of May 2023, there would be two big reception centres either built or bought, and by the end of 23, a further four. Those would have housed 4,500 people and it would be in state accommodation and you'd be able to avoid this kind of thing. And there has to be an acceptance, unfortunately, because of the way global 
uh, issues are that I, going I, forward there's I, going to be I a lot of state that. people I think there's a recognition now that the state have to build purpose built accommodation yeah, it's, 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 it's very late it's late, but look, there, is accept, there is acceptance that that's like we've never there seen there's also a real difficulty here Jackie that clearly the government ambassador coming along and making an offer to these hotel owners mm. that they can't refuse because clearly it's more economically viable to let this premises over to Empass than to keep it opened as a functioning hotel in the area well, we don't know whether it was the hotel owner went to the, went to the department or the department went to the hotel. But pe people who own a premises are entitled to make a commercial decision. And he, the owner of this hotel has made a commercial decision that he wants to, to lease out his hotel. Yeah, but it's a commercial decision, isn't it, Mick? Based on an offer made by the government. Mm. Oh, yeah, but I mean, yeah. in fairness, like, the, 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 the government aren't forcing anybody to do anything. If that hotel was very viable. I don't see why the owner decided to go to the government. You have to presume it was done in a commercial reason. And, okay. and, and, that, and, and that's the problem okay, when you're completely reliant on the private sector as opposed to having state accommodation for what is a state issue. Yeah, uh, Jackie, the comments from Joe O'Brien, uh, who we have invited onto the programme and who wasn't available, he was on um, the air today and he said that Communities, when they are protesting, he might recognise they have a right to protest and might recognise some of their grievances. But when they are going out to protest, and we can expect there's going to be further protests, they are rolling out the red carpet, he said, to bad actors. They must be cognisant of that fact. Is that what was happening in Ross Grey? <clears throat> no, look, there was a lot of locals protesting in Ross Grey, a lot of very genuine people in Ross Grey who have, who have concerns. The fact that people would come from from other areas to join that protest. I don't think the local people can be held responsible for that. Local people have concerns about their town. We are a democratic country. They have a right to protest. And like, you know, obviously I've got a huge amount of calls since last Thursday on this issue as a, as a TD for the area. People are concerned about the resources in their town. They're concerned, you know, about education, as you said, GPs, dentists, etc. And look, we are a democratic country. People have a right to protest. Um, Padre, I suppose we have to recognise too the background of this was that today 600 people who've come into this country are now unaccommodated. It is the highest level ever. Where are they meant to go? See, I actually think one of the big problems, the weaknesses this government has is the delivery of infrastructural projects. So, for example, again... I know, but in the short no, but, term, uh, Potter, in the short okay, term, uh, these uh, reception <coughs> centres are not going to be built in the near future. Where are they but meant even, to even go? Like in June 2022, the government promised 700 rapid-build houses Right okay, now, can you answer my question, Potter? Where are these people the, meant to the go government, now? The government needs to deliver on these capital projects. And, and that's simply the answer to this. And if they refuse to, that, to do that, they are dependent on the hospitality sector, which then puts further pressure on small towns mm -hmm. and downstream tourism businesses uh, that are dependent on that for their income. OK, look, I just want to go to Mayo because yesterday Mayo County councillors voted to cease all cooperation with the Department of Integration over the housing of asylum seekers in the country. The motion, which was endorsed by Fine Gael and Fine Foyle councillors, called for non-cooperation until an agreed strategy is put in place. But well, for more on this, we're joined by Teresa O'Malley, the head of news at Midwest Radio. You're very welcome to the programme. Teresa, you might give us a little bit of background and understanding of the situation that led the council members to take this decision. Well, for well over a year and a half now, really, there has been discussion at Mayo County Council level over the facilities that are in place to deal with a, quite a large influx of people asylum seekers and refugees into County Mayo. Councillors believe that Mayo 
perhaps was taking more asylum seekers and refugees than other counties. But at the same time, they were finding it difficult to get exact numbers from Mayo County Council as to the number of refugees and asylum seekers and where they were being located. When they came to Mayo, what facilities were there, how appropriate the facilities were, those kind of questions. And just like what's been talked about there in the Ross Gray piece, people were worried about general access for both refugees Jesus, asylum seekers and the ordinary citizens of Mayo trying to access dentists, doctors and so on. The pressure within education, within the schools in the county, all of that. So um, what I suppose led to a suspension of standing orders at yesterday's council meeting and a two and a half hour discussion on this particular motion to uh, cease all cooperation between staff of Mayo County Council and the department came from the latest proposal or suggestion out there that uh, the department has received an application from a, someone to develop a modular housing development for Ukrainians in Castle McIrish, which is just outside, uh, just outside Clare Morris. And, uh, they, they don't know how many or whatever, but the department has confirmed, yes, we've received under open competition that there is someone who's interested in such a development and it's in the process of that. So there had been a, a meeting then called uh, very quickly, a public meeting, 200 people attended in Cross Point on Saturday. And the concerns around this further development in Castle Magart, when there's already quite a high percentage of the population in the Clamoris area now who are refugees or asylum seekers and have been well welcomed and integrated and all the rest into the society uh, with the limited resources. What they're saying is, what the councillors were very clear, unless you give us the resources, unless you tell us when these resources, give us dates when you're going to put it in, then we don't want any further cooperation between Mayo County Council and the department. All right, now, Teresa scene, O'Malley, sorry to cut across you there. I just want to put this back to um, my panel here in studio. Um, first of all, Mick, what do you think of this move? It is a non-binding move, it should be pointed out. I, I think it's appalling, to be honest with you. It's basically saying that people fleeing war are not welcome in Mayo. It's also, and you're, you're, you're back again to people having grievances and that kind of thing. Mayo per population is not the highest. Uh, it's one of the highest, second, is it not? Yeah, it's it's sec second. third or fourth. It's second. I, 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 I parliamentary question from the Minister. Yeah, it, it's certainly. Second. But uh, th there are others yeah. where there haven't been anywhere near this level of opposition. It's getting a small bit out of hand when you have a scenario whereby elected representatives are putting forward that kind of thing, as if, for example, we were being overrun or something. That is not... There are problems. There are pressures. There's no question about it. There were pressures there before... There are genuine grievances there are, there, there in are genuine, communities. There are genuine pressures, but they're also being combined with grievances and with groundless fears. And when you put the whole thing together, you have that mix. And then for public representatives to pander to that rather than to address it, that's what's occurring here. Um, and Jackie... These are Fianna Foil councillors who have voted for this motion that says no more cooperation with the Department of Integration. These are people in your party. Yeah, well, I wouldn't agree with the decision. You know, if you're going to solve an issue, you solve it. By Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. ...dialogue. And for public representatives to say they don't want dialogue with the department, it's, a new, it's, it's definitely a new venture because county councils will be very anxious to get their views across and to say they're severing the links with the Department of Integration. Uh, you know, it's not going to stop the department's plans for Mayo. And I think for them to represent the people that they were elected to represent, I think they should continue most definitely trying to increase the dialogue with the department, not reduce oh, it. But does it not point to a growing disconnect between the national position being taken by Fianna Fáil, by Fianna Gael, by the Greens and their local politicians? Look, um, they've made, they, they made this decision. You know, they're obviously frustrated at the, the level of, of response they're getting from the department. But instead of they should be contacting, their, you know, their, their, their four or five TDs that's in May or their public representatives, their DAW representatives, and say, we want um, more dialogue with Mr. Minister Garman. We want to sit down with him. We want to trash out the issues that we have in Mayo. And I think that would be a better way to make progress than to sever their links. All right, look, we're going to have to leave that conversation there for now. But after the break, anger over proposals to rename Park O'Keefe Super Value Park. We are going to speak to Patrick O'Keefe's grandson straight after this break. You're very welcome back. Well, Cork County Board delegates have paused a deal over the new naming rights for Park O'Keeve. The move comes following a widespread anger over suggestions that the name could lose the reference to one-time General Secretary of the GAA, Patrick O'Keeve, and would become Park Supervalue. However, in a statement, Cork GAA said they would continue their engagement with their sponsor on the issue. I'm rejoined by my panel, Jackie Cahill, Padre Dabin and McClifford. And we're also joined down the line by Donal O'Keeve, the grandson of Patrick O'Keeve. I'm going to just go very briefly to you, Mick. The word come this evening, there was this meeting with delegates from the county board and the deal is now paused. What's your read of that? Well, on, on a personal basis, uh, I can say, Kieran, I'm very happy because I was actually in Parky Cueve the day it opened as a child for a Munster final. And uh, it was a drawn game, and Cork nearly arrested the rise of one of the greatest Gaelic football teams ever. So that's uh, Parky Cueve, that's what it meant to me going all the way back. I'm not surprised it's paused as a result of the reaction today. My, uh, the smart money, in my opinion, would be on it being eventually called Super Value Parky Cueve. I think a compromise. Yeah, I, I, I would. And, and that, that's the way stadiums around the country. I think Wicklow's the only place where that hasn't happened. Practically every other stadium retains the original name and adds the sponsor's name. I'd, I'd imagine that's what will happen. OK, let me go to uh, Donald. Uh, Donald, because you have been speaking out today because you weren't happy at the idea of Park O'Keeve being renamed uh, Super Value Park. Why does it mean so much to you and your family? Great question. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, I suppose for, for the, your viewers who may be not aware of, of, of 
the, the, the history um, of my grandfather. So Portugal Creve, uh, his vision and his dream was to have a GAA-owned park in every parish in the country. And over the course of his stewardship, um, you know, the, the, there was a huge surge in the number of GAA clubs. And there was a phenomenal, um, I suppose, acknowledgement of the fact that this, as an amateur association, it was the largest in the world. And, and uh, my grandfather also took the GA final to, uh, to New York. And he was instrumental in the co-founding of Nemo Rangers as well. So I suppose in, in that context, um, I was quite shocked and saddened when I learned um, not during direct communication from, from the GA, but from a friend of mine who simply sent me um, the, the Irish Examiner a news article uh, yesterday, uh, last night. So uh, since then, yes, no, I, I have been, um, I quite, just to clarify, I don't speak for, for my extended family, um, but they're all aware that I'm, I'm happy to, I suppose that I'm talking to you today um, uh, and that they're supportive. But, um, but yeah, I suppose we're, we're in shock. Um, that would be the best, best way to put it. But I'm absolutely over the moon to, to hear tonight that there's potential um, for maybe a pause and a, and a moment of reflection and to consider how can we, I suppose, ref stay true to the, the history and, and the legacy and, and our own narrative and, and heritage, while at the same time seeing what the needs and, and, and the challenges are for the GAA and currently and, and also into the future. So yeah, um, but I look forward to potentially... The, the, the argument being made by the Cork County Board is that they have a €30 million Euro debt here on Park O'Keeve and that they need to service that and this deal would you know, bring €1 million Euro into the club, I think, over a three-year period. Do you not accept that that is just a commercial reality of the world of GEA now? I, I fully acknowledge the need to, to have, I suppose, funding and sustainable funding for, for the GEA moving forward. Um, it's just, as, as your, your panellists said there, I think there may be potential here for a compromise. Um, you know, Super Value Park Cleave, I think, is the, the one potential option that's available there. Um, but but I also, I suppose, it's it's what the name actually means to to the public. It's not just, I suppose, the, the sports history we're talking about here. It's the very fabric of our identity in Irish society. Um, and I know from the response of a few um, tweets that I sent, or, or whatever you call them now on the next, um, the, the response was... was, was quite overwhelming, really, in relation to the fact that um, there's huge support out there for retaining the name. What do you think your grandfather would have made of this, given the work that he did do for the GAA and, and his uh, sort of, it's the fact that he bought into the vision of the GAA so much? Well, I think for, for my grandfather, the most important thing is that people experience community and connectedness and a sense of belonging through through the, through the games. And and I think he, he was so passionate about the role of the GEA in people's physical and mental health. Um, you know, I, I, I imagine he would, be, he would be quite humble in the sense that he would he would want the greater good to prevail for the organisation, whatever that would be. Um, but but I do I do think. Um, considering that the decision was made to name the park after him, he would be um, disappointed to think that, that maybe that changed because of the, the realities of the situation. And I think he, he would accept it, it would have to. Um, I, I do think that, that, yeah, it would be, it would be important for, for, for I think for, for Irish society in general, if we can hold on to, to our history and stay grounded in that while, while looking to the future. OK, let me just put this to um, my panel here, Donald. Um, Jackie Cahill, there was a very interesting tweet.
tweets or X, whatever it's called, from the Tanisha, proud Cork man today. Uh, I think we can see what he said. He was deeply annoyed and disappointed at the proposal to change the name. Um, he wanted Patrick O'Keefe to be recognised as a key figure. And then he added that the government had allocated 30 million towards the development of the stadium and never sought naming rights. What do you make of that tweet? Well, I suppose, you know, the O'Queeves were synonymous with Nemo Rangers, which is the Tarnished Club as well. So obviously he's passionate about the issue. Uh, you know, I fully understand where he's coming from. I suppose, you know, from Super Value's point of view, like if you're sponsoring something, you definitely want public opinion locally behind you. So I think Super Value will walk away from this now. And, you know, the point you made, you know, there's a large debt on Parky Keeve. But I think um, this deal with Super Value now, I don't think that's going to be, that's going to, uh, I think that's going to, it's not going to be their solution to their problems. I think after this, I can't see Super Value staying involved. OK, to go back to the Tarnished's tweets, I mean, the government also allocated, as my colleague Gavin Riley pointed out on X today, the government allocated €191 million Euro to the restoration or refurbishment or redevelopment of Aviva and didn't pay any heed to naming rights there. Is all politics ultimately just local? Is that what the Tanish has proven by this tweet? Well, look, there's serious history to, the, to, to Parky O'Keeve and, and, and Parky O'Keeve. So it's like different, we, is it? It is different. It's different. Are we going it's different to, we're, in Cork we're, is ultimately what I'm getting We're going here, to Parky O'Keeve. You know, Lans, was Lansdowne Road or Aviva? Yeah. You know, there wasn't a personal name attached yeah. to Lansdowne Road. So I don't think it was the same thing. This man has a huge history going back yeah. with the GA. There's and huge recognition of the part he played in a GA in Cork and a GA nationwide. And, you know, you know, I'm a GA man. You know, we, so we, you would understand, we, you think, ultimately, look, the Cork County Board, despite the 30 million deaths, should say, sorry, naming rights, not up. Well, if it's a simple stadium in Turles, if we were taking Tom Simple's name off a simple stadium in Turles, we wouldn't be happy. So yeah. I can fully sympathise with the Cork people. This stadium has always been known as Parky Keeve. That's what they wanted to stay. And I can understand. Like, you point, there's a huge debt there, but I think they'll have to go back to the drawing board as how they're going to clear uh, that. But Patter to been. Like, we look around the country, we've seen Virgin Media only in the last week has the naming rights now of Musgrave Park. You can look over to Mayo. I think Elvery's were involved in Mayo at one point. I think, um, who else was there? I think Netwatch is the Cullen Park, I think, is in Carlow. I mean, I think the point that was made by Mick, this is happening in parks yeah. right around the country. Why is this one different? Well, first of all, I think Patrick O'Keeve obviously was, was a phenomenal individual and he, like, he, he fought in the, the War of Independence. He's, he was uh, sent to English prisons for 15 years. He narrowly escaped <clears throat> the death penalty. He has a phenomenal heritage. And I will say the GA is not just a sporting organisation. It is actually a cultural organisation too. It was part of the whole movement towards Gaelic revival and towards Irish nationalism you know, at the turn of, 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 of the last century. And I do think the idea that we're going, we have to commercialise our legacy and our history in such fashion, I don't think is a good thing. The idea that Crow Park could be turned over to Dunstores Park, you know, come on. Like, the, the but GA... Is, in your own constituency, there's Charlton Park, isn't there? Yeah, and Park it's earmarked Charles. for yeah. major investment and redevelopment. Right. And as part of the package to deal with the costs of that, the naming rights are up for grabs. Again, and, and the Talton Games has a big heritage issue with mm. both in the GA and in Irish history. I would not like to see the name Talton go. In, in, in relation to Lansdowne, Lansdowne is, was an address and that's where it, it, it got its name as such. And also the GA is an amateur sport too. 
It, it, the other sports, to a certain extent, are far more commercialized yeah, but, in, in how they're all. There's a problem. It's a business, too. Yeah, it's a business, isn't it? It is a business. Are you going to help this business try and deal with this 30 million debt? I mean, if the government doesn't want it to put up its naming rights, are you going to put forward more money? But the government has always answered the call for all sporting organisations and will continue to do so. But oh, it, great. It, it, then it's, we'll it's, tell Park O'Keefe, <laughs> don't panic, there's more no money coming. It, 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 it's an amateur and a cultural organisation, as Patrick said. The only problem is. You, you've three stadiums in Munster with 40,000 capacity. Since the Parky Cueve was redeveloped, I think once, and I think that might have been for a rugby match, they managed to reach the capacity there. I mean, if you're, if, if you're going to start building stadiums all over the place uh, at that kind of a level and you're not going to have kind of commercial sense about it, you're going to get into financial trouble and that's what happened here. And, and what, what ultimately the problem here was very understandably from Super Value's point of view, they were in the driving seat in terms of negotiations and presumably they wanted, very understandably, it just to be named after them. And the Cork County Board were in a weakened position because of the huge debt they have there. And now they're in a further weakened position because of the opposition to that. Like. To the point being made by uh, Donald O'Keefe there, which is, look, this is an organisation that does have a very particular historical and cultural mm value to this country. You know, you talked about the idea this is a grassroots organisation and it relies on volunteers and those volunteers are recognised and this is a good way to recognise the contribution by a hero. What do you say to that? The GAA is like, different. If you take the Hogan, st Hogan stand, if that was going to be renamed, they'd be now crying to Prairie about it. Mm -hmm. Same with the Cusick stand. You know, they're, they're named after synonymous people in, within the GA. You know, Hogan, Hogan was shot on Bloody Sunday. The stand was named after. We would, we would resent that greatly if some other brand name came onto those stands. But there, there, is, there is truth to that on one level, Kira. There's no question in the world I've been volunteering for myself. I love the GA. It's a fantastic organisation. But let's be honest as well. Look at an inter-county level. It's gone completely professionalised. How much does it now cost to run an inter-county team? And where does that money come from? And where in the organisations are sacrifices made? Are outlets not provided for communities because money's concentrated like that? So that you can't have it everywhere. Yeah, is that a fair point, Patter, being made? Is that actually, look, if the GEA is left with a €30 million Euro debt for a stadium that Mick says has only been at full capacity once since it was built, I can't confirm that, Mick, but I'll take your word for it. Is there actually a bigger issue here? GEA, you don't have the money behind you to build stadiums like this yeah, and then say, we can't sell the naming Well, rights. first of all, I, I think the GAA need to sweat their assets more. So, for example, they did take in 7 million from the Ed Sheeran and the Gareth Brooks concerts, for example. So there are opportunities for the GAA to actually fill those stadiums not, and not necessarily for, for matches. But I do think, you know, like, we, we, we can't have a throwaway legacy. We do have to understand that there are issues more important than just the Euro every single time. And for the GAA to lose that cultural heritage, I think would be a, a, a retrograde step. But was just, some... just, just the way they've made their schedules so tight, there's no such thing now as a replay. And the GA made an awful lot of money out of replays down the years. So maybe they should go back and examine that this tight schedule isn't good for their revenue. All right, look, I'm going to <laughs> leave it there tonight. We'll come back to Supervalue Park O'Keefe if that ever happens. After the break, China's second most powerful man arrives in Ireland for a two-day state visit. But should we really be seeking closer ties with China? We discuss.
you're very welcome back. Well, Chinese Premier Li Chung has arrived in Ireland tonight for a state visit. The second most powerful person in China is spending two days here and will meet the president and the Taoiseach tomorrow. It is the first time such a high-ranking Chinese official has visited Ireland since 2015. So is this a signal of warming relations and increased economic ties, along with the potential restoration of beef trade? Well, we're joined now down the line by Donica O'Bacon, Professor of Politics at DC's School of Law and Government. As always, Donica, it's lovely to have you on the programme. So uh, Lee Chung, the Premier, was at Davos and he has now chosen three countries within the EU to visit, Ireland being one of them. Why? Well, one can only speculate, but I suspect it's for much the same reason that the Soviet Union uh, had a preferential uh, arrangement with Ireland. Uh, Aeroflot had its European headquarters at Shannon Airport. Airinta developed Moscow's Shermetivo Airport. And one of the reasons they liked Ireland in the European context was because Ireland was in the EU, but it was militarily non-aligned. It was considered different. It was relatively neutral, and that was one of the reasons. But as I said, there, there, you cannot deny the huge economic ties now that are binding Ireland and China together. 25 billion euros worth of trade uh, annually. Um, you know, China's our fifth biggest economic partner, so there's also economic ties uh, binding us. Um, the Taoiseach today said that, you know, he would ask some important questions. He didn't outline one of any of those questions. Where do you think China's human rights record and indeed the threats that it makes towards uh, Taiwan. Will he bring those up? Should he bring those up? Is that his role? Uh, he gave some hint that he would bring them up, that they would be discussing issues that united Ireland and China and also issues on which they diverge. I think at this stage, um, and this is not only with Ireland, there's a certain kind of ritual dance that's, that occurs between democracies and authoritarian states like China, where China expects these issues to be raised and they are dealt with in a very pro forma way. You know, explanations are offered by China which reflect their perspective. And then they quickly move on to, you might say, the real business, uh, which is said is largely based on economics. That's what I would suspect uh, would occur. So I would expect issues to be raised. But as I said, I think they will be secondary to the main issues of the day. Um, EU, the EU has spoken about sort of de-risking its exposure to China in recent months. Is Ireland at odds then with that position, given the growing economic ties between the two countries? Well, Ireland is vulnerable. It's difficult being Ireland in a way. We're a small state. Uh, we are an open economy. We try to do business with everyone. There are dangers in that because we are also part of a larger economic bloc, the European Union. So if the European Union has a spat with China, we are obviously collateral uh, damage in that. But it's, it's important, of course, you know, to note the risks associated if you allow uh, values to be completely eclipsed by trading considerations. You only have to look at how that led us down the path of, uh, you know, confrontation with Russia, that Russia felt emboldened, that it, there was nothing they could, couldn't do that would excite uh, the, the, the consciences of Europe. And we, we have to, I guess, signal to China uh, collectively, of course, Ireland signaling alone isn't going to do anything, but uh, as the European Union, that there are limits uh, to which China can go uh, without consequences. And they, they are on issues, of course, like Taiwan, uh, like the Uyghurs in, in, in Western China, uh, Hong Kong, of course, and Tibet. These are all issues which 
really Ireland and China diverge as, as a democracy. And also, of course, the fundamental one, that we are a democracy, uh, we promote democratic values, and of course, China, you know, is, 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 is to put it mildly, not a democracy. So do you think they expect sort of a warm welcome, a sympathetic ear from the Irish? I think they do. I mean, they, they, the, the previous visits have been, I think, considered successes from the Chinese. I mean, Xi Jinping, you know, he's not a man who smiles very often, but he looked visibly happy in Ireland in 2012 when he was on the cusp of becoming president. I still have that image of him going back to your conversations about GA Stadia uh, in Crow Park, where he was trying to hit a slitter with a hurley and everyone giggling around him. Um, you know, he was he, it was a three day visit, which was, again, considered exceptionally long for a man uh, of his importance. And, and that's been followed up by, by subsequent visits, including now this one. So it's, I think the Chinese, the Chinese Premier will look forward to this. I think it will be considered a relatively um, easy visit and one which he can feel comfortable in. OK, let me just go back to uh, my panel. Do we play lip service as a government when we meet people um, like Lee Chung? Well, we have a huge um, trade with, with China, 40 billion euros in a two-way trade. Which are huge economic, very important economic partners for us. But human rights is important in China. We've been talking about refugees, refugees earlier tonight. The, right, the human rights of people in China is important. And I would be very disappointed if it's not, it's not raised with the Premier. And also, it's the relationship with Taiwan. You know, I, I personally think Taiwan, you know, are entitled to their independence. My, all my government colleagues don't agree with that, but I, I That's do. That's not the government's official no, position no, here, is it? But, no, but I think Taiwan are entitled to their independence. That's my, pers that's my personal view. But, you know, we have, we have a huge trade with them. We're very much dependent on that trade. Obviously, we have to talk to an important trading pattern like this. But I still think we can make the points about what we are unhappy with in China. OK, Pater Dabin, the IFA have come out and said they want a swift return to the Chinese market and they, they see this visit as an opportunity to make great headway. Should that take precedence? No, I think in the, in the end of the day, it, it, human rights have to take precedence. Like what's happened to the Uyghurs is absolutely unprecedented. It, it is the, the worst treatment of a minority anywhere in the globe since World War II. One million Uyghurs incarcerated, you know, forced labour, forced sterilisation, you know, uh, 17,000 mosques raised... So what would you like to see Taoiseach do well, then? Like, There's an interesting article by Pat Leahy in the Irish Times today where he actually said that there is this stance. So, in other words, the government's introduced the idea of human rights very briefly so they can say outside of the room to journalists that they've raised it very briefly. I think the government needs to get very serious and say, like, this is... What's happening in Hong Kong is appalling. The fact that, you know, you could be jailed in Hong Kong for just doing your, your job and that, and that hundreds of protesters and activists and journalists and opposition... Uh, uh, politicians are being jailed is absolutely okay, wrong. OK, so we are inconsistent sometimes, would you agree, McClifford, but ultimately we are committed to free global trade and our economy takes precedence. That's the uncomfortable truth here, isn't it? It's, it's entirely cynical, but that, 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 that's the way it is. I mean, you're talking about how they bring up human rights. It reminds me of the, the, the legendary sports writer Con Hulhan. Khan used to speak with his hand over his mouth and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't discern precisely what he was saying. That's my image of how the likes of uh, the Taoiseach or the Taunishta will pass on their concerns about human rights to um, Lee Chung and, and the then move on to move on to President trade. Higgins is meeting And President too. Higgins, exactly. Even though you would know President Higgins, he might he might sort of push the boat out a small bit further, but that, 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 that that's the way you'd have to assume they're gonna do and then move on to the real politic of economics. And unfortunately, that 
would seem to be the way we're doing business. All right, look, we have to leave it there tonight. My thanks to all of my guests. Our programme is available as a podcast, as always, and it's on all major platforms. And you can find us on Instagram and TikTok tonight, VMTV. From all of the late team here, good night and do. Take care.